My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what, if anything, we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. In today's show, we're going to talk about why we need a podcast about the emotional side of money. And why more financial physicians need to heal themselves. Hey, Alex. Hello. 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 Uh, We are doing a little explainer episode. (laughs) We're going to talk a bit about... Why this? Why this? Yeah. Why Why are we here? And, and who are we? Who are we indeed? <laughs> what is life? <laughs> That's too broad a scope. <laughs> We're actually, we have quite a narrow definition. There's a lot to talk about, but we are going to, we're going to go deep on something narrow, I think, is, is what's happening in this mm-hmm. podcast. So the emotional side of money, why us? Other than we love it and we're really interested I ha- in it. I have some money and a lot of emotions, so <laughs> that qualifies me immediately. Um. <laughs> Definitely. I think, and I think that is the human condition <laughs> for most of us or not. So we, in addition to having some money and a lot of emotions, which is a fair description of both of us, <laughs> we also both have some professional qualifications around this. Yes, we do. We do. Yes. We have pieces of paper and letters and things. We do. Which makes us look like we know what we're talking about. Yes. Yes. does it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a big theme for today. Mm. So Uh, tell me about yourself, Martha. All right, then. So a long time ago, I worked as an independent financial advisor for a couple of years. I only barely got qualified before deciding that it really wasn't for me. Um, but I but I have worked in that environment. And since then, I've been working in the charity sector and various kinds of non-profit worlds, trying to help people understand and use money better. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of training, some coaching, some one-to-one guidance and, and various kinds of projects and awareness raising campaigns and things, just trying to help people to understand better how to deal with money. Well, I suppose in a similar way, I qualified as a chartered accountant. It's a three-year study. And like you, 
the similarity comes in that as, pretty much as soon as I qualified, I stopped doing it um, <laughs> six days later, in fact. And that was only because um, I wasn't allowed to transfer departments until the first of the month and I qualified on the 24th. So I had to wait six days to do it. But yeah, I, 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 you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot mm. about um, Excel. Um, <laughs> Love a spreadsheet. I, yeah. <laughs> I learned how never to balance a balance sheet, which is an irony that every newly qualified accountant, I think, can share in. <laughs> because the only time you have balance a balance sheet is when you've got everything 100% right. And that never happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I then moved out of finance because <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it. But I've worked for myself been self-employed for quite a long time now so I have filed a lot of tax returns and had to be quite in charge of my uh, finances. Um, I also got a degree in economics um, and when I was studying at uni I was much more into the applied and behavioural side of the subject than the kind of really hard theory about international trade but one thing that bothers me about economics now is that it's kind of become synonymous with finance and money only especially after financial crisis and stuff like that but actually I enjoyed looking at economics from the point of view of um, the theories around utility and maximising utility so how do we get the most out of our money but the things we do our behaviours and actions which is kind of relevant here as well oh definitely but like I said also got a lot of emotions and I do like a bit of self-help and I like you know when things aren't going right to figure out ways to change them so absolutely bring those two worlds together yeah and I I want to say as well that uh, having spent a lot of time supporting people and in conversation with people who are struggling financially and, and having spent a lot of time trying to help people to make better decisions, not telling them what to do, but just trying to help them figure out what a better decision for them would look like. The ironic side of that is that I have often mismanaged my own money, particularly around spending decisions. Mm. Um, So, you know, I've had to go through my own journey of learning to live by what I have been trying to teach others. Mm. And, And there is a big difference between what I want to do Mm. what I think I should be capable of doing and then Mm. what I'm actually doing. Mm. Because like people always assume that I'm always completely on top of my invoicing and my expenses and everything's like tickety-boo. And to be honest, I tend to file my tax returns quite early. That's mostly because I just want to pay it and no matter how much money I've got. But it doesn't automatically mean that you do everything you're meant to do. Mm, I can easily, you know leave things for a couple of months and then have to do a big flurry of sorting stuff out just because on paper I'm qualified to do things like that doesn't mean I do them so. yeah so so we know we're not alone with this mm. I know from from conversations with colleagues that we're not alone with this and one of the things we want to do in having this podcast is to break down this idea that most people are great with money and if you're personal finances are not perfect that's your failure and you're doing something bad and wrong and you're Mm. alone with that Mm. there's a whole lot of should around it yeah and you know we're not immune to that feeling of should because there's almost like a little bit more should because we should be so much better at this but we're still just humans humaning yes and we don't get it any more right really than anybody else yeah and I for one feel like the public conversation about money is kind of broken. I don't feel like Mm. the writing that goes on around money is very human. It often assumes that if you are given the right information, you will make the right financial decisions. Whereas that assumes a perfectly rational person. And most people 
are not perfectly rational. Hey, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. But again, if you assume that everybody is perfectly rational, then if you make a decision that doesn't go with the perfectly rational story of money, then you're irrational, crazy, stupid, a failure, whatever. And that's not great. Or if you can't bring yourself to do something that is part of the rational story of how to manage money, then it's very easy to blame yourself for being lazy or weak-willed. Yeah. And again, there are actually some fundamental aspects of our psychology as human beings that make following that pure, perfect, rational path very, very difficult. So we want to have that conversation about those innate psychological traits that we have as human beings that make it difficult for us to manage money well. There are things that we do and things that we don't do, and it's very easy to not see the where that is coming from and that it is, you know, part of a general way that you behave or act, which, you know, it may be helpful in some ways and it may not be in others. And where does it come from and why do you do that? And that's what I'm quite interested about in in relating that to finance, because it is, you know, it can be such a cold topic and such a, a kind of alienating topic. And yet, you know, money is not the root of all evil it's it's the root you know the root of our lives unfortunately we live in a very capitalist society that's the way it is and it, yeah. it adds just this extra layer of stress on an expectation and all the shoulds and even getting caught up in that kind of mentality is really unhelpful for even just sorting it out and yes. getting on with things you know so yeah. yeah we want to explore that yes yes so we also think that in the UK, we have a kind of particular taboo about talking about money. Mm. I think more than in yeah. some other parts of the world. And I think in particular, we have a real taboo about talking about unsuccessful decisions mm. or decisions that didn't work out for you or times when you failed to make a decision in time and then a deadline passed and the outcome was not good for you. All of those kinds of things. And we think that taboo needs to end and we want to help end it. We think that those taboos lead to a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And, for example, we know that people who get into problem debt don't go speak to a debt advisor for usually well over a year after they start getting into serious trouble. And if people won't even talk to a professional who is there, their entire role is to help you because they're too guilty and too ashamed and too scared, then we need to say that that attitude to money must be broken. Mm. If, 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 it is, if our attitude to money is leading us not to seek help mm. when we are in that poor a situation, mm. then that attitude is broken and it's harmful mm. and we need to change it and change the story around money. Mm. And I think the conversation is changing a little bit. I do work in this sphere of, like I said, money guidance and financial education and, and there is more and more talk about this as an emotional topic but that's just within my little pool of specialists I think the wider public conversation has not reached that point yet and I think it's really important to say more about it in a really public way that that hopefully is accessible and fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. It's also uh, like one of the aspects of us talking to each other. Yes, we've kind of got these financial backgrounds. Yes, we're both interested in the way the brains work and the way that, you know, behaviours work and can we unstitch those by learning about ourselves. But we also have slightly... I, I come from a place of... <laughs> my problem is not that I 
you know, spend too much money and end up in debt. It's just that I've become very afraid of spending any money, which has, you know, roots in my growing up because uh, I grew up in a household with my father was self-employed so there was always a kind of concern about you know making sure that everything was going to be okay financially and then I've been working a long time self-employed which has kind of compounded that feeling of never really letting myself spend and one of the things that you know ways that we want to look at this is if you're able to kind of sort through how you think about things how you approach money how you organize yourself that it's not necessarily about you know bringing yourself back from the brink of debt but also allowing yourself to enjoy the money that you do earn in the way that it feels good for you feels right for you while you know covering your survival your (laughs) your survival needs that you know money isn't always about overspending money is sometimes you know like in my case Mm. maybe underspending or spending in the wrong place because I feel like I'm getting a good deal but actually I'm not or giving myself a hard time about ever spending money on myself so there are lots of different things that play in and lots of different behaviors there may be more visible conversation about overspending even if it's not Mm. a particularly constructive conversation Mm. but there are also a lot of conversations that need to happen about the value that we get from our money and how we value our money Mm. and allowing yourself to do things with it and organising yourself around that, allowing so that it's, you know, things are possible and enjoyable. Yeah. Alex and I, part of the reason why we wanted to team up and do this is because my financial, emotional baggage leads me to potentially overspend. Particularly, I will, if I feel like I have some money, I have a tendency to buy lots of small things in a kind of, oh, I'll just get her this, I'll just get her that kind of unplanned small spending way which you know is the probably the fastest way to overspend and then as Alex has just said that there's this balance of her being sometimes over thrifty to the point of just not having a lot of fun <laughs> and and I think that balance gives mm. an interesting pair of perspectives together so the thing I'll do probably the most prominent thing I'll do is I'll want something but it will be kind of on the pricier side and rather than thinking of the reasons why that would be a good thing and like that you know that I actually do need that or it, it fulfills certain things or I would enjoy it I'll find something that's a bit cheaper that's almost the same and then get the thing that's a bit cheaper and feel like well at least I've saved some money but then not like the thing <laughs> which is completely pointless and then when I think you know a year later I've saved 35 pounds on something that actually if I just spent that money I would have probably still liked and still used as opposed to have given it away now Mm. (laughs) so that's yeah Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. I'm like you know I'm a yellow label chaser in the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) oh look I've come home with half a pound of squid that I don't know what to do with (laughs) but it was reduced so (laughs) Oh, oh dear. Yeah. And I do have to fight that particular impulse a little bit as well. I, that Again, I grew up in a household where both my parents were also self-employed. And so being very thrifty was a part of how I grew up because, again, they didn't have that security. And I'm also self-employed and repeating that pattern a little bit. But once I started getting my own money, when I went to university and was out of my parents' oversight. I think it's a fairly classic story. I started spending a lot of money on fun things because it was the first time I didn't have to do so in the sight of a disapproving parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting over that pattern, which was set at that young age, has is still hard and I'm still getting it wrong in spite of the fact that I have literally taught hundreds of people how to budget better. <laughs> I have 
literally hundreds of people, and yet I still struggle to do it better myself. So, my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So in short, there's no shame here, guys. Yes, yes. <laughs> we are owning up to our own financial rubbishness in the hopes that you will also feel comfortable owning your own financial mm. rubbishness. And I might say, when we were planning this episode, we also talked a little bit about other financial professionals that we've spoken to mm. in the past and people we've worked with and, and the financial rubbishness that we've seen in our financial services colleagues <laughs> I was talking about when I worked with the IFAs and a lot of them would absolutely splurge on payday a lot of them gamble quite a lot so <laughs> it was really some quite uh spendthrift financial behavior that I was seeing in my IFA colleagues a lot of not planning at all for their own future even while they were teaching other people how to you know be very sensible and plan for theirs and then the other thing I've seen so many times is debt advisors who are up to the edge of their credit card limits. I mean, that is, that's an absolute classic <laughs> as well. See, this is what they don't tell you. Exactly. If when you sat down with one, they went, you know what? This is my credit card bill. You go, oh, mate. <laughs> so chat. Yeah. No, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe you'd run screaming. Maybe it's like going to a hairdresser with bad hair. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it is like going to a hairdresser with bad hair. Hairdressers who have bad hair, it's because they haven't got time. They're so busy doing everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is an element yeah. of that with, with IFAs and debt advisors as well. But you had a, an equivalent of this as well. Yeah. So in the world of accountancy, never go to a restaurant with a group of accountants because it will take them literally forever to split the bill. I once went out, there was like 16 of us eating out for someone's birthday and it was when I was training and it was we were all accountants and it took us longer to split the bill at the end than it did to eat the meal 
it t- I'm not kidding you. It took 40 minutes. Like the staff in the restaurant were kind of like pacing around like they couldn't just wait. Almost like they'd give it to us free if it went on much longer because they were so annoyed with how long it was taking. Because everyone's got a different method. Like, we should do it like this. We should do it like this. And everyone does a kind of general calculation and comes up with a different number. And like, you know, no one is satisfied with it. Um, and everyone has to be involved. Now, any kind of bill splitting situation, um, people kind of half look at me to do it. And I just go, nah, not interested. Just tell me what you want me to pay. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've talked a bit about why professionals are not always as professional yeah, as they it's seem. It's definitely not a capital P professional, that's no. for sure. And, you know, why we think this conversation needs to happen. So, what are we actually going to talk about over the series? We've got a few general ideas that we want to put out there. So, the first one is the idea of self care and money. And you can probably tell already this is really fundamental to how we approach this topic. We think that your thinking about money needs to be rooted in kindness towards yourself and a sense of forgiveness for your foibles and and occasional fails. We want this podcast to be a positive space that's about learning and growing and doing better, not about piling on the you should be doing this, you should be doing that aren't you silly if you're not doing all these sensible things? Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be one of the things we'll go into in a bit more detail. Just to say, like, we're going to be talking about how being better with money will help you to feel better in the rest of your life and how money links into your wider well-being and your relationships and how getting a handle on your money, whether that's mm-hmm. spending in a way that brings you more joy and mm. and better value for the money you spend, or whether that is choosing to take control of overspending, whether that's choosing to... We're not going to talk a lot about financial products in this first series, but when we start getting into more about financial products, choosing products that will actually fit in with you and your life and your relationships and your values rather than just going along with some kind of set pattern that is the prescribed, like I said, rational way of doing money. We're also going to look up some specific topics or specific concepts, I suppose, mm-hmm. like, uh, for instance, ego depletion, which is to do with willpower and how long your willpower will last in certain situations for doing certain things and how you can kind of boost it or use it in the right way for your financial needs and then for the rest of your life because, you know, it is just one part of life mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a bit of a drain on the brain and the energy. So how to approach that. Yeah. And we're also going to take a look at resolutions, particularly New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Topical. And how you can rethink those to actually approach your financial life and not feel so dragged down by the whole thing. Yes. I hope to bring in some people from my sphere of work, get some interviews with some guests, people who work with other people to help them get better with money in various different spheres. So potentially some debt advisors. Maybe we'll ask them whether they have high credit card bills. I don't know if we're feeling a bit cheeky. <laughs> they have to bring it with them and highlight, <laughs> highlight the, the least wise purchases. Uh, but certainly some people in financial education and, and various associated fields, people who have an interesting perspective on common issues people have with money and how they can be overcome, and especially people with different backgrounds from ours. We don't just want to limit this conversation to just our perspectives. 
And then a final one that we're thinking about doing for this first series is something called mental accounting. And that's about how we categorise different types of income and spending in our heads and how sometimes if we get those categories wrong, that can really trip us up in in our financial decision making. So Mm. that's another one that we want to do. And there's more. There's lots more. There's lots. There's lots. Yeah. (laughs) We have a lot to say. We do. We do. notice. So yeah, we we hope that sounds interesting. We hope you're going to enjoy it. We hope you'll join us on this journey. I think we're actually going to learn a lot ourselves yeah. as we go through. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> it's going to completely revolutionise my financial life live <laughs> here in the studio. It's already revolutionising mine, and I'll talk about why on another episode. <laughs> okay, so please join us. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.